0: Talk is on uh, clutter. Uh, did you did you see the uh, did you see the T-shirt? Uh, Whoever dies with the most stuff wins. <laughs> it is interesting that when we die even if it's at the very last moment, we do choose to leave behind everything that we thought we had. We let go of all of our possessions and everything that we thought was important to us that is within the world. We certainly do not leave anyone behind because they were not actually in the world. That was merely an illusion. But all the things that we thought were so important, we uh, left behind. And Gail and I have recently been uh, cleaning out our house once again. It's an interesting thing. Uh, It's generally believed that... uh, you must be able to face anything in the world before you can see the unreality of the world. That's that's very widely held assumption. That you must be able to face anything in the world before you can leave it. Fortunately, that is not true. You can leave the world in that way by getting where you can stand anything in the world. You can be in any situation, and you can be strong in the face of any personal temptation, and you will leave the world eventually in that manner. But it is a very, very long way. In India, there is the tradition of going to the mountain. The I Ching speaks of uh, the mountain as stillness. Stillness is the mountain. And so by becoming still, be still and know that I am God, says the Bible. By becoming still, and by being in a situation in which we can be still, By being in an environment that is simple and serene. By having those contacts which are peaceful and none others. By minimizing our contacts with the world as drastically as we can. We begin to create a mountain upon which to sit. Uh, a platform upon which to launch our rocket to God. (laughs) Excuse me. And why would anyone choose to do that? It is, of course, true that people go to the mountain, that people go to the cave, that people go to the monastery, To the nunnery. Where they got hints. (laughs) Um, And it doesn't work. Of course, you do bring your mind with you. But that's often the excuse that people use for not simplifying their lives, citing that one half-truth that you bring your mind with you if you go to the mountain. And so what's the point? The point is that the stimuli are no longer there. If you can begin to recognize all the things that call to your ego in this world, all the stimuli, then you will see how much easier your walk home will be if you simply avoid the stimuli, if you cut back on every single thing in this world that calls to your ego. Walk away from it, step back from it, withdraw from it. This is a legitimate way home, and it is the quickest and the easiest way home. You withdraw from the world so totally that there is nothing but God left. And it is a theme that A Course in Miracles comes back to over and over again. And that we come back to over and over again here in this church. Because it is so simple. Because it saves you time. And there is no reason why your journey must take a long time. And be full of upsets and setbacks and disappointments. And why you must keep starting over and over and over again. There is no reason for that. Gail and I are walking home. We have joined hands, and we have joined hands with our children, and we are walking home. My father draws closer every day. There is more God in my life this week than there was last week. And one of the reasons that there is more God, and the more, one of the reasons that this is coming more quickly and more easily for us is that in our prayer, we have been told over and over again that we must step back from the world. There's a very interesting thing that occurs as you do this. Those of you who knew me back when this was not a church, this was a grief group and a general support group over at the um, St. John's United Methodist Church. Wonderful church. They open their doors to everyone. But so many people use those rooms over there. May have may remember that I was on the phone from morning to night. I was a member of Crisis Intervention. I'm still a member, but I don't uh, do duty now. Talking to people, I was going to uh, talks and lectures, giving these all over the country. I was trying to start groups out of the penitentiary. We had the groups there at the the church. Uh, I had even made moves to start a uh, television station here in Santa Fe, uh, that would be a gentle, loving, kind thing. And there were many, many other irons in the fire. And then I began to cut back. Gail and I began to see the necessity of this. And one of the first things that, uh, one of the first arguments that we had to confront was, but they're all these people that you won't be helping if you cut back. This is a selfish act. And indeed, in the beginning, it does appear that way. Because we weren't just taking single duty, we were taking double duty plus backup on on crisis intervention. So we were spending not only our days, but many of our nights talking to people who were in crisis. An interesting thing happened, though, as we made that first step back. And I began to uh, cut back drastically on the uh, speaking tours and and uh, stop taking duty. And that is, I began to see fewer people, but I helped them in a much deeper way. So it's true that people would call, Gail and me, and they would be helped, but for hours only. And the same people often would call back, And I would be able to do something that would bring a little peace into their lives, but only for virtually minutes. If it lasted a day or two, I was lucky. And then the problem would be back there. (coughs) That is the reason that we started this church, is that the people in the grief group and the people in the general group, rape victims and battered women and mugging victims and so forth, were not being helped in any deep way. They were being helped, and some of them were being helped in a deep way because the groups were ongoing. But as we drew back, which seemed to have no connection with the helping, and there were fewer people now that I could talk to and help, I noticed now that lives were actually turning to God and people were beginning to walk home. They weren't just feeling peaceful. They weren't just getting themselves out of a violent domestic situation or letting go of a rape so that they could jog in peace. That, uh, that wasn't all that was happening now. There were people who were actually remembering their father and beginning their walk home. And with each step back, there has been this deeper helping. And the other phenomenon that occurs is that you see how mental the helping is. Because in the beginning, it seems so important what we would say to people. And I know you've had this experience. The ideas that you give people are, you think are so important. And after a while, you realize that isn't that has nothing to do. First of all, they never hear what you say anyway. They hear something else. And they, they say, uh, gosh, I just, You know, what you said was so helpful, and then you're just horrified by what they think you said, you know. But, of course, what happened was some gentle voice reworded the concept so that they could use it. And your wording was not important. What was important? It was your forgiveness. It was your acceptance. It was your seeing this person as your brother, seeing this woman as your very own sister, That, you begin to realize, is what heals. And you begin to realize that no body has to be present for this to to happen. Of course, it's helpful many times for there to be uh, this uh, talking between bodies. But you begin to see how you can help silently. And that it's, in fact, the silent calling of your heart to their heart that does the work, even if the bodies are present and the mouths are moving. The world is clutter, and God is simplicity. The simpler your life becomes, the simpler your conversation becomes. The simpler your closet of clothes becomes. The simpler your diet becomes the more God can enter your life. It will not necessarily enter your life just with the simplicity, but now it can. Gail and I, uh, yesterday morning, cleaned up a desk that was in the living room that had a lot of stuff on it. And we cleaned up the counters of our kitchen. We did that in the morning. It took us all morning to... uh, to the stuff in the boxes to give away or put in rummage sales uh, in the future or whatever or to throw away or to rearrange. And when we got through, we had one-fifth of our counter clean. It was There was nothing there. I scrubbed it and oiled it. It's a wood top. It looked really nice. The desk was clean. It only had the phone, which is unplugged. <laughs> the little notepads, which would not be used. And uh, the pencil, which longed for the old days, which had a function in the world. And both of us noticed the same thing after that. I wasn't expecting this. When we walked into those areas, it was as if there was more God there of course there wasn't more god there but there was less judgment we both judged against the mess it is conceivably possible that if you had no judgments against clutter you could live in clutter and you could withdraw into your clutter and turn to god there is pro- there are probably a few people i would say three <laughs> the mats <laughs> on this earth who could do that. Because there is no right or wrong about clutter, but we do have a judgment. We have a judgment about this, you see. And it's far easier to eliminate the clutter than it is to eliminate the judgment. And this is what most people don't understand. They try to tackle everything on a mental basis. They truly do think that they must be able to face everything in the world before they can go home. And it's not true. You can step back from the world provided you don't run away from it. Provided you're not stepping back from it in terror. Provided you don't think the world is a bad place. And you've got to get away from the badness. Because it isn't. It is a dream. But it's a dream that calls to the dreaming part of our mind. And it says, dream with me. There must be a song on that, John. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about how the clutter enters our lives. The world is clutter and God is simplicity. And if you will look, you will see there is no place in your life where the clutter has not entered. Everything in your life is cluttered. Everything in your life is cluttered. What, for example? Glad you asked. Let's take the house or the apartment or the uh, efficiency one room place or the hotel room or the motel room or whatever it is or the van. (laughs) A lot of people are living in vans now. Do you see that you must have a peaceful place to which to withdraw before you can withdraw? If you had a peaceful place to withdraw to, you might find that you wanted to withdraw and talk to God more. You may just think that you're not ready for this. The only thing may be that you don't have a place into which you can withdraw. Now, the place to which you want, wish to withdraw must be a peaceful place. And so to have a war with the person you're living with over what should be thrown out will not make your place of refuge and rest a peaceful place to withdraw. And so, of course, in your simplifying, you do not get into arguments over particular possessions and how certain things should be arranged. But you do everything that you can do, and you will be surprised at what you can do. And you will be surprised as, as the person you are living with sees the importance of this, not because you badger them, but they truly see the importance of it, that they will give this to you as a gift from time to time. And you will be able to do some of the things that that you think is necessary for your own peace do not be too rigid about this. Do not get fixed on some corner of the room or some uh, particular item that's stuck out there on the floor or whatever the thing may be. be. Remember that your purpose is peace and to have a place to withdraw in peace. Surround those places that you cannot uh, eliminate the clutter in light. Over and over. So if something's very important to the child, the parent, the spouse, the roommate, whoever is living with you, if something is very important to them and you realize it would not be peaceful to make an issue of this, it is never peaceful to make an issue over anything. Because God is all and the world is a dream. So what issue is there to make? The truth is true. Rather than make the issue, (laughs) surround the place in peace. Go about your work. See if there's another alternative. That is one thing I learned for sure on a crisis line, is that people eliminate so many alternatives that they cannot solve the problem. Don't do that. Allow yourself any alternative. Perhaps rent a place where you can do your meditating or work if you if you need to. Perhaps uh, have only one room, and that be the place where you withdraw. How much space do you need to turn to God? Go into the closet. The Bible says, as you go through your stuff, oh, I've got to tell you about one thing. Um, There's all these reasons why we keep all this stuff. Uh, We might use it someday. Uh, It's expensive. You can't throw out something of value. Why? When you When you die, you will leave it all. You will say goodbye to it all. Why can't you? Why because it's valuable, can it be thrown out? And here was another one that was keeping uh, some items. I know you all have items like this, things that people have given to you, relatives and things like that. Now. We had a little place where there were these things. Um, what were we going to do about this? We couldn't give them away or sell them because they were such that they would draw a certain amount of attention, and there would be the fi- the fear that that uh, what this what we what this person had given to us had now been given away or sold or auctioned off or donated or whatever the thing may be. But they were very expensive. These were expensive things. As a matter of fact, these particular things, which I can't even identify, uh, (laughs) had increased in value. It had been many years since they were displayed. We knew that the various people didn't particularly, they didn't ask where they were Sometimes it's more peaceful to uh, bring it out when uh, Aunt Matilda comes by, you know. Then you, you bring out the little, uh, uh, well, we might. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of these wonderful things that they make for Halloween in Mexico. Um, uh, was it All Souls Day? Uh, What's they celebrate death. And have you ever seen these wonderful things with horns and and uh, skulls and all kinds of... Well, I was thinking, that's one of the things that we had been given. But it isn't in this category. Uh, but anyway, it may be more peaceful for you to just take that out when uh, so-and-so comes by, but that wasn't the case. So what were we gonna do with this? It seemed to be a dilemma. There it was, taking up a lot of space it had occurred to us that J- John could have his little workshop in that space because he's gotten very interested in nailing and hammering and so forth. And so we've got, now got uh, spaceships and space stations and swords and everything else all over the house uh, that he's been making. So we thought, well, if, we could, if he could have a room, if we could have one little room where he does this. And the, wa- the room or the washer and dryer, well, it seemed to be a good place. But as I've mentioned to you before, <laughs> it's it looks like a blender drink back there. Uh, so what, what would we do? Well Gil came up with a very interesting idea. Break these things into small pieces and take them to the dump. <laughs> I could think of no reason not to do that. <laughs> We, we, have, we, might, we haven't gotten to that room yet. Uh, we may think of a, a, a less dramatic uh, solution to the problem, but that one works. The only thing that would hold it back is, oh, they're valuable. But how valuable is our peace? How valuable is our place to withdraw? And for Gail and me, we must have great simplicity. There, there must be a minimum of things. This varies with each person, but if you look at it, you'll see. And what we did is we actually, this is, you see, um, this has been called initiation, but that is, that's fine for people to use that term. The reason I don't use the term initiation is because whenever you use these terms that indicate experiences, people don't think they're having them. They think that someone else is having them and somehow God or the Holy Spirit or the angels of heaven or something is withholding this experience from them because they think they know what it is because they've heard it described. Initiation is one of these experiences. I can tell you that all of you are in the process of being initiated. And part of this process that is so often described in the books on this subject is this withdrawal. Those of you who read uh, The Spiritual Journey of Joel Goldsmith, for example, know this, the stages that he went through, which he stepped back from the world more and more. So a time comes in which you are simply told, in some gentle way, you don't, as I said so often, You don't have to hear a voice, despite the song that John Huntress sings. uh, Guidance at the Dispensable Church does not mean hearing a voice. If you hear a voice, that's fine. If you hear it in peace, that's fine. But it is not necessary because all the voice will tell you is there are no words in God. (laughs) So the voice is a temporary thing at best. It simply leads you to peace. Peace is your guidance, doing what is peaceful, following your peaceful uh, preference, giving peace to others, blessing people with your peace, surrounding people with your peace. God is peace and stillness. And so you don't need a voice. And yet you all know, most of you at least know, how clear guidance can be even though there is no voice. You just have this gentle nudge this gentle urging not to move to Topeka and start a health food shop or something i'm not that not that kind of thing but this gentle business of you're not going to go any farther now until you withdraw more it's that kind of thing this happens now you must withdraw more many people get sick at this time sickness is very often a call for withdrawal. This is why many people actually think God makes people sick, because they can see this intent behind it. It is That is, in fact, not what happens, of course. How could love and gentleness and tenderness itself use illness and pain as a teaching aid? The way to peace is peaceful, and the way to love is gentle. And so, of course... Uh, bolts of uh, disease do not come out of heaven and strike people down. And who could turn to a God that, belie- that believed that-, that God was capable of doing that kind of thing? We must trust God. We must be able to relax in God's presence. And we must do away with all these silly notions that we have about vengeance and and all this silly stuff. But the time will come in which possibly you will get sick, and sickness very often is simply a statement, you must step back. If you will simply step back physically, often the illness will go away. Very often it is a stepping back from a specific thing that is needed. But then again, there is a general stepping back that the illness is calling for. Now... The illness is the ego's substitution for the true guidance that the time has come now for you to step back a little more. Because your ego knows that you cannot withdraw into illness and be at peace. There are a few who can do that, but very few can do that. And so it is often the ego's substitution, masking of real guidance you realize that you have got to get away from the world and you know that if you're sick you will be away from the world that's the level on which the ego operates but you are not away from the world if you withdraw merely into pain if that's all there is in the illness is the pain you must withdraw into peace But in most cases, an illness means that the body is simply saying to you, I need rest. I need for you to cut back. And there may be other signs that will happen that will indicate to you, you have gone as far as you can, and now you must withdraw a little more. And so, Gail and I saw clearly that that was what had happened. Now in our life, this had happened uh, at least two other times that I can remember in the last uh, two years, probably more. But two in which we felt like a radical withdrawal was needed. And so we sat down and we wrote out little criteria. We we agreed on how you're going, how are we going to dispose of these things? The first one was are we using it? If we weren't, if we hadn't used it in five years, did we truly need it? If we hadn't used it in three years, did we truly need it? If we hadn't used it in two years, that's that kind of looking at it. Were we caring for it was our second criteria. Were we, were, were we dusting it? Were we polishing it? Were we servicing it? Were we whatever? Or was it Being sitting there in neglect, did that indicate anything? The third one was, what are we afraid of in letting this thing go? And was the fear great enough that we should indeed hold on to it for a while? Because the fear can be so great that it will cause more of a loss of peace for you to let go of it. This world is a dream, and eventually you will see that you are, not pe- uh, you are not choosing in the world the most peaceful thing to do, although I have said it that way many, many times. You will eventually see that you are choosing in the world that which will delay you least. Because as long as we are in the world, we are making choices. And everything in the world, every choice we make, every piece of clothing we buy, everything that we do during the day delays us. But you will see clearly that there are some things that delay you less than others. That's what makes an easy path home as opposed to a very difficult one. So will it delay us more to throw this out, give it away store it for some worthy uh, garage sale, benefit, uh, rummage sale, or whatever? Or will it uh, delay us less to keep it for the time being because of the fear? And if it's disturbing one of the people, it is disturbing the relationship, and so it's best not to do anything about that particular object at the time. It's certainly not good to argue about it. One of the solutions that we came up with was to go ahead and buy one of these little prefab storage houses, and anything that we that there was a doubt about, a conflict about, we simply put it in the storage house until the time came in which we wished to decide. We found that we could get a, around 90% of all arguments by simply, with that simple expediency, What else does this clutter enter? Of course, it enters uh, buying the things that we buy. It enters the things that we do, all the activities that we do. It enters the the talking, the people, conversation. It enters the eating, eating more than is necessary. This needless, endless variety. It in, even enters vacations. A vacation, a good vacation is one in which you do many things. The ba- more things you do, the better the vacation. And yet, what does vacation mean? It means to vacate the old way. And what we're really doing is just doing more. But who likes to say, uh, well, we went to Alcapuco, stayed in the hotel, and read a good book. <laughs> You can't talk about that, can you, Anything? So let's talk about a few of these other things. Because the clutter must be eliminated from every part of your life. It must be eliminated from disciplining your child. You must have only a few no's. You must have a few no's in disciplining your child. A child that has no no's is not a happy child. But people go overboard. There's too much. It's overkill. One of the uh, Indian uh, healers here in this town says, a little sugar is a good thing. But most people don't hear the little, the little sugar. I kid a lot about sugar, but I want you to know that when I get sick, I don't eat any sugar. As a matter of fact, there is a, right here, there is a chocolate wafer that someone gave me before. It has not been eaten, (laughs) you see. This would not be good for me to eat this at this time because uh, there's there's a virus in my body. And I know that sugar and a few other things sustain the virus. In my case, I'm not saying this is true of everyone. I know it's true in my case, though. so let's take buying. Happiness is being able to buy anything you want. This is generally believed, isn't it? Widely believed. Many people think about being wealthy, marrying someone who's wealthy, coming into great riches simply so they can buy anything that they want. And this is a wonderful fantasy to them. They could buy anything. They could buy horses. They could have a house in Santa Fe. (laughs) How many people have put that wish into fulfillment recently. But wait until Esquire and the New York uh, Times and everybody starts writing about some other city. It'll all pass, people. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Uh, And then they will have their third or fourth home someplace else. Uh, Happiness is being able to... The more clothes that you can choose from when the time comes for you to get dressed dressed the better isn't that right if you had many shoes to choose from and many blouses or shirts or pants or so forth this is the way the ego looks at it but it does not look at the fact that to every material possession and to every activity there is a there's this string of cans that is carried behind it like uh, like the dog that you you know that uh that children used to tie the string of cans to. The ramifications. So you don't just get a second house. You get someone to look after the second house and what are we going to do about the plumbing in the winter in the second house and what about the yard in the second house and what about the roof that now needs to be fixed and now you add a third house and now shouldn't this be rented because this is the good season and we're not going to go there this time I don't have more than one house but I'm just talking about all these fantasies that we have the more, the more, the more, the more the more world, the better says the world says, the dream of the world. The more, the more, the more. And the fact is that the less, the less, the less. The easier, the easier, the easier. It is that simple. And so if you need to make a list before you go out of your house as to what you're going to buy, make the list. So that you don't buy more. Because with the extra things that you didn't need will come a certain amount of guilt and anxiety. You will not be able to pass this thing in your house without a little of the anxiety seeping into your mind because it was something you didn't need and there it sits. It was money you shouldn't have spent but you spent it. When you bring any part of the world into your life you bring the whole world because the tin cans is almost endless. It is the size of the world itself. An interesting and exciting person is, uh, an interesting and exciting person is one who does many things. Isn't that true? So-and-so is a very interesting person meaning they do many things. That's the ego. That's the ego uh, stance on the whole thing. I don't know if I told you the story about uh, the time that uh, two dogs we had picked up on the highway. Unnecessary? Once again, you see, saving the world, assuming that the dogs uh, were lost and hopeless and so forth. There was one case in which we picked up dogs and found out that they lived right there near the highway. Poor woman was trying to get them back. (laughs) We'd picked up two dogs. And uh, we have a a wonderful uh, German shepherd that we've had uh, for 12 years. And... uh, When they first came, she was the boss. Uh, But as she got older, she uh, got weaker. And we didn't notice this happening. We saw her, we thought she was getting in fights because we would see her all bloodied up and uh, didn't uh, make the connection. But we drove up one day and the two dogs we had picked up were killing the German shepherd. They had her on her back and they were killing her. The whole tide had turned. Now they were going to be boss, but they didn't have that stop business that goes on with most dogs when another dog turns on their back. Most dogs will stop. These two didn't. And this was our old dog. We had been through so much with her. Um, I jumped out of the car, took hold of the German shepherd, who as they continued to bite her, I pulled her into the car, even though she was bloody and dirty and everything. That was the only way I could get them away. Closed the door, got out of the car, and started picking up sticks and logs and everything else and running after the two other dogs, chasing them all over, the throwing firewood at them and bricks and everything else. I didn't hit one of them. (laughs) Unnecessary. (coughs) clutter. It was not necessary for me to do that and that's what I was told when I closed my eyes and prayed about it because it had upset me very much. It wasn't necessary for you to do that. All that was necessary was for you to save Nushka. That was it. It was then necessary for us to do something about the two dogs. We could not leave them there and have this a place of peace into which we could withdraw knowing that every time we left they may kill the dog so of course we had to in some gentle peaceful quick way we had to get rid of the two dogs it was necessary we didn't have to though go and abandon them on the highway or something like that you see that would be unnecessary that would be revenge Another list that Gail and I made concerning activities was every contact that we have with the world. We sit down. You might try this sometimes. Maybe I've mentioned this to you before. I'm sorry, I don't always remember what I've talked about and what I haven't talked about. But you sit down and you... you if, if, We were just absolutely flabbergasted because we thought we had withdrawn from the world to a considerable degree. And we started making a list of every contact we have with the world. And it was a gigantic list. And then we went through, after we'd put everything down there we could think of, and we said, what can we eliminate? What can we cut back on? And what would not be peaceful to to do anything about at this time? And we found that half of the things on the, List could either be eliminated or cut back on, that they weren't absolutely necessary. Talking. The clutter enters talking. Intelligence is being able to talk about any subject, isn't it? You can talk about music. You can talk about obscure German composers, the 1300s, you see. You can discuss paintings. You know which Indian made the concho belt. You can talk about drugs. You can talk about mysticism. You're informed about politics. You know what's happening in the world. Indeed, you are a sparkling and intelligent person. And so, of course, all these things that we know and all the periodicals and the programs that we listen to in order to place these nuggets in our mind must be drawn out. But what good is the nugget if the people can't see the nugget? And so then, of course, we get a conversation. Any subject that comes up that we think we have some specialness, we have to bring out our knowledge of it. It's clutter. It's the world. It is not simplicity. It is not God. You do not have to be informed. I've told you I am the person who had to watch the 5 o'clock news and I had to uh, read the periodicals and had to be informed and had to watch Watch Washington Week in Review and because I may have missed something and never going to review it. What happened the last week? And now Gail and I take no periodicals, no newspapers, listen to no programs. And you know what? Nothing has happened. (laughs) We weren't dying. We didn't fall apart. Our friends didn't rush from us uh, holding their noses. No, I don't know what it was that I was thinking would happen if I were not informed, but the ego places tremendous value on this. And one of the first things that many people do when they get sick is they go out and farm themselves about the illness and get 500 contradictory opinions and advice from everybody in the world as what they should do and and everybody of course tells you they, that you shouldn't do what the other person told told you to do clutter world you don't need any of it you don't need to know what's going on now if you must know what's going on then of course you must know and you should do that so that you will be peaceful if it is if you must keep abreast of these things, then go ahead and do it. But the time will come when you'll see it's all the same. The same things happen over and over again. So now when I hear about something, it's the same thing. It's always the same thing. A new illness has been discovered or uh, the current president has... I actually could not remember our president for a period of about 20 seconds... Several months ago, I tried to think who our president was. <laughs> the president has made some statement that's been misunderstood and there's been some... Tre- I, don't, I don't know. I, it, it, I'll let people tell me if they must. I don't ask any questions. I don't follow up. I don't say, hmm, is isn't that interesting? I don't do that. I just nod and, you know something and i don't you don't try to make few people feel bad but i don't i'm not interested in that anymore the world is a dream god is all do you wish to leave the world do you wish to know your father then why keep informing yourself about this insanity it is clutter. it clutters your mind you cannot bring one fact into your mind that does not cause a little disturbance until you have reached the point where you can dismiss everything mentally. And I know of no one who has done that. I assume Mother Teresa has reached that stage. But I know personally no one who has reached the point where they can mentally dismiss everything in the world. And so the best thing is not to put it in your mind in the first place. Unless you must for your own peace. If you must, then you must. Just keep watching it. See when you can step back from it. But do not step back from it one second before you're ready because it will not be the peaceful. It will delay you more to a step back from it if you weren't ready. He's we talked about clothes. The layered look. You see, that's, that's what we've got now. That's, that's the ego's look. I'm not saying that layered look is the ego's look. What I'm saying is the, the ego is more and more and more. And so, of course, this would be a wonderful thing to put on as many clothes as you can and have them all showing, have all the layers showing. That's very important. <laughs> Otherwise, someone will think you've gotten lumps. Now, to have only one change of clothes, and there are some uh, religious sects that believe in having only one change of clothes, is, would not be peaceful for me to do. If, it, if that is the peaceful thing for you to do, then fine. You see, there are no rules here. It's not that you should have X number changes of clothes and you should not have Y. You should not look in your closet and have a feeling of excess and glut and waste Because it calls to your ego. You don't want anything in your life calling to your ego if you can avoid it. Because there will be enough left over after you've simplified for you to handle as it is. Eating. Excess in eating. There was a place, there was a fast foods place here, I don't know, over on Sirius Road. They've gone out of business now so I can talk about them. They had a big sign. You went through this line and you got gotcha. They had a big sign saying, Oregano potatoes. We put oregano in our potatoes. Gosh, I never I never considered oregano in that way, you know. Went back and I valued my little jar of oregano uh, so much. Uh we I uh, I don't know why this had struck someone as just the most creative thing that they could possibly do with potatoes. Uh but indeed they did. They fixed your baked potato and they sprinkled in the oregano. We have a friend who uses, she's, uh, she is indeed sophisticated, and she uses basil. I think she uses basil because she loves to pronounce that word. And she can tell you when you always ask her, it always has basil in it. Um, sugar and spice and everything nice that was what little girls used to be made of you remember that of course they can't be made out of that now you understand uh, <laughs> brown rice and spike <laughs> <laughs> everything nice <laughs> I'm going to have to give credit for that line That was actually John's line. I asked John what uh, little uh, girls were made of, and he said sugar and spike and everything nice. I've said before, and isn't it true, that if to get home, you could only eat one food, wouldn't you only eat one food? Of course But that isn't what we're being asked to do. Just to cut out the ones that disturb you. That disturb your body so that you can't turn to God easily. You know what foods they are. If you don't, sit down and make a list of what you can eat in peace. Do you know how much time you spend eating? If you're not eating in peace, you're not walking home. You're wasting that time. It's all right. It's innocent. There's no harm in it. It's not a sin. But do you wish to waste the time? Then eat in peace. Sleep in peace. And then, there's of course our mind, and that's the one I will end on. We clutter our mind. But it is best, rather than trying to eliminate all the thoughts, which is a good exercise to do, just to practice stillness, it is best to see if you cannot make some external change, because that is the easiest way to stop thinking about something, even if it's absurd. We had some people uh, that were coming over to fix our floor. They were going to uh, put a finish on our floor. And all the furniture had to be moved out and so forth. They came over, moved all the furniture. I put the stuff down. It took almost a week for the stuff to dry and everything. And then it blotched. Called them back. Went through the whole thing again. Another week. Furniture had to be moved. Stuff on the floor. Couldn't walk over this space. It blotched. We called them out the third time. There they were, sitting out there in their vans, ready to descend once again upon the house. This time, Gail and I got smart. We sat down and we prayed. What could we do about this? This was not bringing us peace. How important was the floor anyway? Because this was unquestionably disturbing our peace. So what did we wish to do about it? The only thing that we could do about it, in our case... Was to walk out and give every one member of that crew a $20 bill and tell them that they had done a wonderful job and that this looked like an antiquing. <laughs> and to please go away in peace. And, they, and that was the way we did it. We couldn't just, we weren't able to say, uh, we don't want you here anymore, because we had just called them out and they, they hadn't turned out the way they wanted. And they wanted to redo it. And so it was easiest for us to actually pay them money. It made no sense to pay them money. We could not afford the money. It was difficult for us to give them the money. But it was the most peaceful way for us to let go of the situation. Be willing to do anything that will allow you to think less of the world because there will be more room in your mind for God. It is that simple.